Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I'm Matt Gale, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Paris, coming to you at 48,000 hertz. Incredible. I don't know what a hertz is. I don't fully understand that, but I think that's good. I think that's a high number. I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder, an institution that is uh, evidently going to play football this fall. <laughs> Amazing. Our sound quality... Just as soon as we can get the players out of their apartments, because they are locked into their apartments until is October that, uh, Is that also due to the president? Because during the debate, he said, I brought Big Ten football back. You're welcome. Like... <laughs> <laughs> he didn't address Pac-12 no, football at all, and I was 10. very offended by it that. It was very targeted to the uh, swing states there. <laughs> From yeah. Midwest, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh. Incredible. This is a podcast, Matt, where we uh, talk about preaching, you know, from as professional uh, rhetoricians, rhetoricians, uh, rhetoricists, uh, you know, so I think it's appropriate for us to break down the, the, the classic rhetoric that was on display uh this week man right oh my god! there's gosh. a lot to unpack maybe. yeah um yeah i posted a uh what my kids were saying uh one of those let's uh post adorable kid quotes but it was pretty accurate uh why are they talking at the same time dad mm-hmm. why are they talking at the same time why are you talking to the screen i don't understand what this movie is about please please turn off this this terrible terrible movie but i have to say like it was so like not only was it painful to watch uh like i immediately regretted it i was like nope we're gonna we're gonna watch this thing even though the kids are here which is a terrible idea but this is our civic duty you know participate in democracy i mean like i've always tuned in debates uh and then i like immediately regretted it it was like oh god (laughs) but the what what was really depressing uh was not only debate itself but then the both sides of them afterwards, which was just, oh, they're, they're partisan rancor. I can't believe there was name calling. Like, are you serious? Like, there was one person <laughs> who spent most of the debate yelling. Like, I just don't. I, this, this is insane. It's insane. Oh. I had no plans, Matt, to watch the entire debate, uh, so I did not. Um, uh, I understand your, your perspective, Matt, uh, under... Something that might approach normalcy, oh, perhaps gosh. I would be guilted through my civic engagement to, to watch. Uh, but I didn't feel like uh, anything would change for me. I did watch for about five minutes pretty early on and, uh, you know, just kind of slowed down to watch the car crash. And then I mean, uh, if you want along. to talk about uh, rhetoric, like the part, like what actually scared me was that I was like, I mean, besides the threat to democracy at the end, where he's like, will you <laughs> commit to a peaceful transfer of power? And he wouldn't do it. Uh, which, you know, then people were like, the well, he's done that before. Lack of denial of white supremacy? Is that what yeah. you were worried? Is that what concerns <laughs> you? <laughs> then people were like, well, you know, he's done that before. And I was like, no, I know. But, like, just to hear it in a debate, like, his Twitter feed is one thing. But uh, besides that, um, so just, I got, I was like, He's trying to be the alpha in the room. Like, he's basically just trying to be, like... Mm-hmm. He's trying to be the alpha. Is that going to appeal to people? Are people going to be like, yeah, yeah, that's that's what we want. That's really what uh, leadership looks like. That's what real masculinity looks like, because he didn't take that attack. He had a similar, like, let's drag everyone into the mud when he was debating Hillary, but, like, he couldn't take that kind of attack. 
because uh, he really has these bizarre gender norms. They're not bizarre. They're uh, <laughs> long-standing. Uh, but unfortunate. Like, it really had me, like, oh, God, this isn't going to appeal to people, is it? Like, I was genuinely a little terrified. Good news uh, does not seem like it appealed to people who uh, were previously not very dedicated to voting for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so that's yeah. good. And uh, numbers are looking in favor, like democracy might be preserved uh, this knock, fall. Knock on my I know list. you say the maybe, but you look at the real numbers, uh, you know, uh, 538 <laughs> says if the election was today, uh, he'd only have a 9% chance of winning. Uh, so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but 538 did say, oh, yeah. so So there was a whole, I read this article today, mm-hmm. in which I almost posted it, because I know that you love it when I post articles, uh, but I almost pulled up the paragraph <laughs> that was like, so the thing that we haven't accounted for, there are three things we haven't accounted for, and like the third one was, um, if there is like widespread voter suppression, or if he just flat out refuses to leave office, <laughs> no, like, yeah, yeah, so you haven't accounted for that eventuality, so that's good, that's, okay, good. They're like, this is all under the assumption that this is going to be a normal, like, you know, we understand there's always been some, there's always been voter suppression, like, this has never been a perfect, but we're just, we're assuming this is going to be how elections have been in the past. Uh, if it's not, <laughs> all bets are off. Great. Matt, I've watched several uh, t- period piece, uh, fake kind of documentary uh, about Catherine the Great. And here's the thing I know about how to coup, right? <laughs> to coup successfully, you have to have the military. Uh, and I don't think he has the military <laughs> to that point. You can't coup without the military. That's good. Um, so if Catherine the Great has taught us anything, um, that's one of the things. <laughs> uh, Matt, I did not or would not have seen uh, the article if you posted it, Matt, because uh, I have been reading a new book. You're, you're deleted your social media accounts. I have not deleted my accounts, but I have been reading the uh, 10 Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts by Jaron uh, Lanier and find it pretty compelling, Matt. So I did a bold step that was not deleting my accounts because I can't do that. Um, but I've deleted the Facebook application from my phone. From your phone, yeah. I hear that. I've done that before. I've tried that attack, and then I realized mm-hmm. I could still sneak in through Safari. Uh, and then eventually Safari got too much of a pain, and so I just re-downloaded it. I put it on the second page of my app, so I have to do an extra swipe to get to hide it. I've done the hide trick before. <laughs> it's not slow me down. I only really find that the, the Facebook is a problematic social media. Um, I feel like I'm able to engage Twitter in a healthy way. I don't, like, actually tweet, and I don't follow, like, real people or anything. Uh, so I feel like my Twitter stuff's pretty okay. Mm. Uh, I don't really do Instagram. I mean, I do it, right, but I don't like... There are other people who live in my house who spend a lot of time scrolling through Instagram, <laughs> and that's not what I do. Um, yeah. If anything, TikTok is the oh, vast God. majority of my social media experience these days, which is a lot of fun I, and entertaining. I did take the step of deleting that because I couldn't figure it out. I can't I can't handle it. You couldn't figure it out? You just watch videos. It's not... can't... <laughs> I tried to make the switch to Instagram because I mainly, like, yeah, I post a lot of articles. That's usually the least helpful thing. But I do enjoy taking pictures and then Mm -hmm. sharing them. You should be an Insta hero. The the problem is that I don't have, like, my Instagram circle of friends is very, very small compared Mm. to the Facebook 
the platform you've built for yourself. You know, right? So I just uh, that's the that's the problem is that it is a social. uh, It's a vanity issue. Yeah. Well, and a connection. You're not connected to as many people. (laughs) Yeah, I hear you. It's a good idea. I don't know how. Like how? Like how will the internet? How will we survive without your dear concerned internet citizen? posts that come about every other month or maybe three months maybe quarterly yeah i feel like that's <laughs> i mean everybody seems to say that they can like appropriately moderate it you know and and that's the thing you're hearing me say right like i can appropriately moderate my facebook uh or my not my facebook uh my social media intake <laughs> but i i feel like i've been i've been distancing for social from especially facebook for a long time now mm. uh because I, I feel I felt like an early adopter of Facebook. It was, uh, you know, I got onto Facebook when you had to have the .edu address. Oh wow! Uh, right. Uh, so I was in my undergrad when I got on it. Like, if you go back to my earliest, if you were to search my profile to my earliest post, there are no pictures involved because you would have to take the picture with the digital camera, then upload it to a computer, and then upload it right. to the web. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I was still, like, five to six years away from a smartphone. Sure. Um, and it used to be, like, fun, ridiculous, like, much more, like, dear, concerned citizen every day. And now, like, if you go through it, it's pretty curated, you know? Like, it's pretty professional, I think, right? Like, and even dear, concerned citizen is a calculated, like window into my life into me right like uh it's i draft that up in pages uh and write it out a couple of times and edit it because what happens if i if i write it into it i will edit it almost immediately because i'm still have no idea what comma <laughs> rules are in english and i will go back and forth on commas a lot mm-hmm. but all right well maybe i'll have to read that book too the, the, the art of gathering book it's good i'm like halfway through it like are you halfway. reading it oh you're ahead of but me it's good it's really good. It should be required reading for three. seminarians. <laughs> it's good, right? It's real good. Ugh. Don't be a chill host, man. Don't be a chill host. We talked about this week uh, with our leadership group because um, they've been starting up and inviting people into small groups. And um, I mean, maybe it's just us as like mainline Protestants suck at this stuff and don't have the urgency that parachurch groups have um but that like our invitations sound like hey i don't know if you're interested in this or not but like i was thinking about doing this thing if you maybe want to do this right and it's a complete like total like chill hosting currently i'm trying to pull together a bible study that i think could be really fun on genesis and revelation i feel like would be we're going to try to do those together because it feels like the end of time so we might as well like read about the beginning and the end at the same time absolutely um and so, I don't know if you... I do auto-post to Facebook my uh, email campaigns that come out on, like, Sunday evenings or Monday morning, uh, an invitation to, like, if you're interested, let me know. I post it on Instagram and stuff, and guess what, Matt? Nobody lets me know if I put a whole, like, email campaign about it out or if I just post it in the story and stuff. But when I directly message students and say, hey, I'm going to do this thing, would you like to be a part of it? Uh, it goes better. Yeah, I mean, like, you get a similar, I feel like I'd, it, a lot of it echoes with uh, 
the training I had in community organizing where it, so much of it is not like rocket science, but it's more just like getting much sharper at the things that you're already doing. Like if you have an ask, just make the ask. Like don't, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, think about what you're doing and why. So I do think it like it also as, I, as I'm reading it, like it's such a good opportunity. I mean, like you, you probably do this much more often as a campus pastor, but it's such a good opportunity as we like start to build like when we start to go back to worship rather than this like, hey, let's just do what we were doing before. Like, here's a good opportunity to like use the basic building blocks and like build it up from the ground up again, thinking about why we're doing each piece, right? Like, is this what this mm-hmm. is? This is a gathering. Um, so and we've even had to do that with online worship where, you know, it's continuing to evolve for us as we think about what is the what is the thing that people most value about this time together? Like, how are they really connecting with God and each other? Is it because it, it takes so many different forms. And so I think thinking about that, like that causes us to start using breakout rooms because the thing that people really wanted was they wanted to talk to each other. OK, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll figure out how to give you a question to talk about. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, I think that's I was having a socially distanced coffee with a young adult recently who's had this long history of engagement with the church but has not also had this long history of struggling to like find a place for themselves like in the church and one of the places that they have an issue with is Sunday morning in particular like they just hate Sunday morning um and they also happen to have read uh The Art of Gathering um and like their their line is always and was again uh, I just feel like a robot on Sunday morning uh, I don't know why we're doing all of these things we're mm-hmm. all like words I'll put into their mouth it's like we're pretending church you know like <laughs> oh we have to do this is very important and that's very important but then like but but it's actually not so much of it is not important to people <laughs> right like the people care about the breakout room the connecting piece yeah. right but that's not the part that we lift like Right. We lift up the flowers on the altar that um, you don't notice unless you're the person who like paid for them, right? Um, mm-hmm. All those sorts of things. Uh, and for them, it's this huge like. And I, I get it, right? And I think that's true. Like I think that's a problem for lots of young adults, especially when you don't have like a church background mm-hmm. um, for how you like. Clearly, there are people here connecting deeply and finding deep meaning in this. Sure. But what does that have to do with this production that you guys do on Sunday morning? Because it still feels like there's some distance between those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really weird. Like, man, it would be really interesting. Like, at first we were like, yeah, we should just assign this book to seminary so they know how to gather. <laughs> but it also would be really interesting to, like, read it in conversation with... Uh, I don't know, a worship class. Like, how do you reverse engineer this thing that developed over time? And so we do value, like, these core elements of it. But then how do you, like... It's like taking apart a watch or something to figure out, like... And then asking, like, you legit do have to ask, like, do these things still fit? Like, maybe some of these pieces are no longer useful, right? Like, like one really small example is I remember in in worship class, they were like, we don't actually have to do the Apostles' Creed every Sunday. Like, this this became a thing. (laughs) Yeah. But it's not really necessary. Like, you can do it, but it's not really necessary. It's really, like, we stuck it in there as, like, an educational thing, and now it uh, doesn't have to do it. But then I still remember members that were like, 
you know, we used to do the Apostles' Creed every Sunday, and it was like, and I was like, yeah, we don't really have to. It's what I was taught. <laughs> so we do, like, have these things that we can, I don't know. I'm saying it's a conversation, right, where we do have, like, these core elements, but I think it's valuable to interrogate them, because it may be that some of those things, we don't actually need this feature on the watch, you know? Yeah. I mean, it almost feels like, and I don't want to get, like, too, like, too high on my horse of of seminary worship class of like if only we could just change everything and like make it perfect great like i don't want to get on that high horse right now um but the way that decisions get made around worship it feels like you end up with this organism organism <laughs> mm-hmm. organism yeah. i think is what they call it in biology um uh, that has all these like vestigial appendages that don't serve any purpose anymore. Yeah. Uh, but you don't take the appendix out unless like there's a real problem with it. You just leave it in there because mm-hmm. that's easier, right? Yep. But there's never or very rarely is there a time when we like add something to the organism that's not, that's like, that's going to help. <laughs> that's, you know, like we don't make any significant changes that are going to really help. It's the same sort of like, I mean, it's it's like it's like the political. I mean, to keep the political stuff going, <laughs> American democracy, when it is somewhat healthy, is frustratingly slow, <laughs> right? It at its best, when it's working like it's supposed to work, it's still really slow, because you have to like we have we've built all these checks and balances in which, in theory, should protect uh, minority groups, mm-hmm. and so we can't like. It's not great that if a new president comes in, in theory, uh, a new administration comes in and just completely, like, reverses course on everything. Uh, I, I hear the irony, you know, <laughs> but worship is kind of similar to that, right? That, like, you're not going to last very long in a worship setting when you're coming in. Like, it's the old Banger, uh, Dr. Banger uh, poker chips thing. You can't come in and just, like tear everything down and you can't certainly can't keep doing that like from week to week yeah because worship changes this like big ship sort of stuff yeah yeah no all that is uh no that's all really true and really good leadership advice um and yet like i think this interrogation is still like you know it's like she says in the book like sometimes we have these gatherings that were we came up with a long time ago and they don't always continue to serve the same they don't always serve the purpose that they served 100 years ago right um and so I think that continual evolution. I will say, uh, so this is the crazy thing about this time, though, right? Where we're like, okay, let's have online worship. Well, actually, like, this is one where we actually have a clean slate. Like, <laughs> there's some stuff yeah. like, okay, yeah, we're going to have to have some scripture. And I, I pretty much use the same basic structure. But, like, nobody is saying, like, well, why didn't you have this thing? Or why didn't you have this? Because it's like, it's like all bets are off. It's great. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> As somebody that likes to change Matt, we're going to check back in with you in nine months. Uh, Nick, I want you to cut the audio of this so I can drop it nine months from now. Um, we'll say, Matt, you were super optimistic about the return to worship. You feeling that way now? How's it? Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, I don't know about the... Ret- I mean, like, I'm saying I like, I like this online thing because it feels totally free. I'm not very optimistic about having to go back because I don't want to go back to the... Everything that we had before. So as we build it back, that's we'll see, we'll see. Mm. So we went down that rabbit hole. We did, we did. Um, yeah, I think it's gonna connect. Uh, you know, 
social gathering stuff is an important part of the text here. You get the Ralph Klein quote, what will the neighbors think? Uh, and uh, social classes and how they mix together is an important part of the gospel here. I am uh, so excited to talk about these texts because... Uh, Liz, last week... It's October, and it's the scariest <laughs> liturgical month of the yeah. year. It's the time to listen to the scary album. How can you turn these into Halloween texts? I uh, got a text from someone this week, that's, uh, and she she wanted to know, uh, what do you think about this week's lectionary texts? And I just texted her a link to the podcast. I didn't even have to say anything. I could just say, here's... <laughs> Because I felt like it was pretty good. We had a pretty good uh, conversation. I, I think we, like, I don't just, recall exactly what we talked about, but I feel like it, the audio quality was significantly yeah, better. Yeah, so... Because um, it was at 48,000 hertz locations. <laughs> it's as if taking 48,000 hertz rental cars and turning all the stereo on, stereos on at once. That's what last week's podcast and this one is like. See, so I'm just... I'm glad that we got it uh, improved before Tyra listened to it again. So... Oh, Thanks, Tyra. Tyra Thanks was for the dump feedback. Us. She was going to dump us. <laughs> it was worth it for me to use Audacity. There it is. That's, uh, is that Obama? That's going to be Obama's, like, the title of the second part of his memoir. It's the audacity of recording your own sound. <laughs> yeah. Start yeah, the that's text, it. That's Zach. One, yeah, it should be tough to text. Oh, I'm so confused about this Old Testament reading, Matt. I need so much context. Please help me. A reading from Exodus. You want context for this? At some point, we're going to have to figure out what in the hell's going on. I mean, they're in the wilderness, right? And Moses has gone up the mountain. But didn't we get the Ten Commandments last week, back in Exodus 20? Yeah, that is strange. Did he just go back up there again? Well, so here, I did a little bit of research. Good. Like, a little bit of research. One of the sad things is that right now, and I, like, was prepared to, like, do something about this. I went to jknlibrary.org, the Jesuit Krauss McCormick Library at LSTC, um, because Ralph Klein's website is down and has been down now for probably a year. Uh, And it is a Trevor Trove of, like, Old Testament resources, Hebrew Bible resources, and I wanted to go deep on this. But the Ten Commandments are only given once in terms of, like, being spoken— and that's in Exodus 20 last week. Then you have this holy, totally separate thing where Moses goes up to talk to God on the mountain because everybody heard God give the commandments, heard Yahweh give the commandments, because remember they were like, oh no, it's too much. Don't talk to us again, please. Mm-hmm. Um, and these tablets get called tablets of the covenant. So I'm wondering if it's a, if it's a, a, a misnomer or a mis, you know, uh, crossing symbols that the kind of tablets have this like we think of the tablets as containing the Ten Commandments when what it seems like upon my reading of, of Exodus 31 and 32-33 is that it's a tablet that describes the covenant which is central to what we're going to read about here and that's what Moses rewrites on them when he recreates them he doesn't rewrite the Ten Commandments hmm. um, so again it's a strange like like the Apostles Creed which is not a historical creed um, and it's just made up anyway um, we uh, we have this like idea of the Ten Commandments is really important but maybe I mean they're certainly not as important as the covenant interesting so. well 
He's up there. He's delayed. He's going They're... all the way up. <laughs> all the way up. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron. The art of gathering. Right here. They gathered around Aaron. And they, Aaron they had a Carter purpose. gathered together the people. Purpose for this <laughs> they gathering. They did have purpose. Yeah. And they said to him, come and make gods for us who shall go before us. As for this Moses, this guy, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to him, like, is there, did some time pass? Did he have to think about it? He just immediately says to them, all right, take off the gold rings no, good idea. that are on the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters, but not you. You can, if you've got your own, you can keep your wives, your sons, and your daughters. And bring so that means them. no women are involved in this assembly. Bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them, formed it into a mold and cast an image of a calf. Is that like one of those, uh, do you, do you know those, those things that make the plastic toys when you go to the zoo and you like push the button and all it comes down. And I love those things. Uh, when they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it and Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. And they rose early the next day. They offered burnt offerings and brought sacrifices of well-being and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to revel. They had a word and a meal. That's a ritual meal. That sounds uh, cool. Gathering happened initially. Right. What's, what's the problem? I don't... It's, it's, I don't it seems... <laughs> it's the bill. Part two. I imagine this is like a two-part episode, and that like ends, and then there's a cliffhanger, mm-hmm. because here begins part two. It like pulls back, and... Uh, What's going to happen next? The Lord said to Moses, go down at once. Your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have acted perversely. They have been quick to turn aside from the way that I have commanded them. They have cast them for themselves an image of a calf and have worshiped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff necked they are. Now let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them. And of you I will make a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains, to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath. Change your mind and do not bring disaster on your people remember abraham isaac and israel your servants how you swore to them by your own self saying to them i will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven and all this land that i have promised i will give to your descendants and they shall inherit it and the lord changed his mind about the disaster that he planned to bring on his people word of god word of life a couple uh, Hebrew notes I got for you, Matt. What do you got? Uh, there's some better imagery than you get in the NRSV there with, I have seen this people. This is good stuff, like good imagery. Uh, I have seen this people, how, how, how stiff their necks are, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone that my, it's actually nose, right? My nose may burn hot against them and I may consume them. Um, and then, you know, Moses implores, why does your... 
nose or face burn hot against your people. It's like God is, Yahweh is so mad, like his face is red. Like, um, it's hard to, to invoke that in the, in the imaginations of people, what it would look like for a significant person with power to have, be like red faced and screaming. Uh, but that's kind of imagery that's, uh, being evoked here. Um, then, you know, you got a treasure anytime that the text says that, that God changed uh, their mind. Mm-hmm. But more than that, the word that gets used here for changed his mind uh, could also be translated that, that Yahweh repented, um, which I think is a lovely uh, kind of Emmanuel sort of like vision of God, that God not only calls us to repentance, but participates in repentance uh, them their self um, so yeah yeah it's so good I mean Moses makes a hell of a speech here I mean this is like mm-hmm. <laughs> he's got a I just kind of like I, I love this image of Moses where he doesn't like it's not like he's had a lot of time to prepare for this thing right like this is not like he's always got this case coming so he's gonna do this it's like he doesn't even know what's happened down there he's finding out about it from God it was like oh shit he's gotta pull something out of his you know know, like he's gotta pull something out of his ass Mm -hmm. how's he gonna do this what's he gonna say and this is actually that's the next time that because he goes up on the the mountain and doesn't look at him and he walks past him and Abraham gets to see or Moses gets to see his his backside oh my gosh I mean it's just like the drama that you could just like what is like so God's face is burning hot and red what is Moses is like what is going on the wheels start turning uh what how is he going to respond to this thing and to his credit like like, most going to be pissed at these people, too, right? Like, and he will be. Like, I think most going to come down and he's going to be absolutely pissed. But in this moment, like, he makes this crucial choice to defend them uh, to God, right? Like, it's just, it's really to, to play their, uh, their advocate, their defense lawyer. Um, just, an, just an incredible late game push from Moses. Their fourth quarter coming through. Incredible. Incredible, Moses. What a performance. Uh, but I think... One of the things, uh, I was reading Terry Fredheim's commentary, uh, and he had this line that I thought was so, was so good. He said, it's not a matter of Moses winning the argument, but of a relationship that God takes seriously. Hmm. And I think that's a really, that's a really interesting way to look at it, right? Like, so, uh, did it all depend on Moses making the right speech? Like, did it depend on, like, he hit the right points and God was like, all right, yeah, okay, the math adds up. I get, I get it. Um, but how interesting it is that God, like, like, God could have just gone down there and burned the people up without even talking to Moses, right? But the fact is he, like, he goes to Moses and he has this back and forth and he even seems to, like, it's almost like he expects Moses to come back with something, right? It's like mm-hmm. one of these conversations where you're just, like, venting to the other person, uh, and you know, and they're like, don't get fired. Like, God, don't, don't get don't fired. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just like, it's just a fascinating back and forth between Moses and God and that emphasis on, um, on the relationship there, both I think between Moses and God, but also like Moses is a proxy for the people here too. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's God's relationship with humanity. So I don't know. I thought, I thought that was an interesting thing that it wasn't about the, that Moses somehow, won the legal argument, even though it's a great speech. Uh, but it's about, it's about the relationship that, 
Moses calls the Lord back to, but that the Lord has is already in and really, um, yeah, yeah. So this is one of my name texts here, Matt. Um, oh, what does that mean? You know, the Hebrew word for remember is zakar. Uh, so Zechariah, uh, which oh. uh, is God remembers. Uh, and that's like, I just love that part of the covenant um, and that part of like the Hebrew Bible is that God is like the worst deal maker ever because um, it's about to happen again. And it just happens over and over again that God's like, here's the covenant. OK, here are my responsibilities and here are your responsibilities. Um, and the people break the covenant over and over again. But the covenant that, that God always like sets out with with the people never has any teeth for the people. It, it's not like, well, if you don't do it, I am going to come down and smite all of you. Um, it's not that right. Like uh, <laughs> I will be your God. You'll be my people. Uh, all the onus is on God or, or the, the, you know, uh, in that sort of like all the stuff that really matters is on God. And so. Mm-hmm. So the faith of the people in, in the Hebrew Bible from Abraham on is a faith in a God pleading with a God to remember who constantly changes their mind and is this mysterious. They always do it, but it's also this like insane, like such a leap of faith. Like I, I love the Jeremiah, right? I'll, I'll forgive their sins and remember their iniquity no more. Like you're pleading mm-hmm. with this God who pledges forgetfulness to remember. Um, mm-hmm. And that's this. Be- I mean, that's like the beautiful pe- part of it, you know. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And Moses makes the case, and it works. You know, it works again. Yeah. Yeah. It's so. It's so good, and I think it needs like it, it is almost two. Two stories, um, and it needs that first story. I think to give it that. Uh, oh, that emotional. Mm-hmm. Like I just imagine. Uh, you're watching this, like if this was uh, if this was a, an episode of a TV show. Like this is that moment where you're like, oh no, oh no, no, I see where this is going. No, no, Great. no, 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 don't do it. No, no, like you're, <laughs> you can see it happening. You can see it developing, and it just like unfolds so much worse uh, than it even like. <laughs> Every, thank every thank goodness God forgets because we're we're like the back end of Exodus, and by now it's just like this is every episode you guys like yeah. you've screwed it up every single time like what mm-hmm. um, again? yeah and not and not just uh, and not just a stumble but screwed it up in glorious fashion like <laughs> truly astounding <laughs> like this is create like there there is a level of creativity to this you know like. <laughs> Like, yeah. this, this is not like we just didn't do some of the commandments, right? Which, again, we established last week are pretty easy to keep. This was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the commandments, it's like the easiest to keep. Like, because you can just go about your day, and as long as you don't accidentally build an idol, you're good. Yeah. That's the one we're going after. Mm-hmm. And yep. we're going to commit our full wealth to this uh, breaking of the covenant. Incredible. Well, Matt, the gospel is not so, um, I mean, there's an intensity to this, but it, it, I feel distanced enough from it. Like, I don't feel like super emotionally invested in that story. Um, like you'd have to do work, I think, as a preacher to get people like in your congregation emotionally invested and to identify with 
the characters because they're clearly not Moses, they're not Yahweh, and they're definitely not going to want to see themselves as the people who are actively melting their gold <laughs> to <laughs> create a cow. Um, you've got to do some work to find your way in for people. There's room there, of course. Uh, but this Matthew text, a little more problematic. Uh, it comes right on the heels of last week's story, which... Uh, for lack of a better title, gets called the, the, the parable of the wicked tenants. Uh, and again, we're on the backside of Jesus getting hot. His nose is burning hot in Jerusalem. He's already uh, taken the temple by force, kicked the money changers out, <laughs> come back to the temple and started teaching and, uh, you know, told the Pharisees and, and scribes that under your leadership, these people here should probably just come and kill you. Um, and so he just says he's not done. Uh, one more time, Jesus spoke to the people in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king. And again, this is one of those uh, anthropo uh, man uh, parables. Man, so, man camera woman. This is man <laughs> camera TV. parable. There's a man parable king wedding banquet. Uh, one of those stories where the central character, who you might assume is God, uh, gets renamed in the Greek as a man. Uh, so the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man, to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. Uh, the clue there is that I am compelled by the perspective. It's a it's a Molina and a Rorba 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 perspective that these stories are um, are stories about what the kingdom of heaven would look like if it was lived out fully in the kingdom of, of humans. Uh, so he sent his slaves, this king, a man who was giving a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding, but Matthew would not come. Uh, this was not to be unexpected, though, uh, for big social events that included people of power. It was regular in the ancient Near East to use a double invitation. Uh, so you would invite people. Uh, some people would come, but some people would not come. And so you would have to send your slave, your servant, again, to tell those who've invited, uh, look, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat calves, they're slaughtered, everything is ready, come to the wedding banquet, and here are the people who are coming. And it gave your powerful guests enough information to decide whether it would be good for them and appropriate for them to come to the wedding, because they needed to see the guest list first. Uh, and so he sends his double invitation, uh, and evidently not a compelling guest list. They made light of it and went away, one to his farm. Not only am I not coming, because perhaps like you could get into this thing of like, I'll sweeten the pot and they'll come. Uh, they don't, they're not going to entertain another offer. Uh, they're opting out of this negotiation. One went away, one went to his farm, another to his business, while the rest uh, indicated that you probably shouldn't send any more of your very valuable slaves and servants because they mistreated them and killed them. I would suspect that mistreated them and killed them uh, would be all one category. <laughs> you know, the slaves who were killed, I think, were also mistreated. Uh, but the king was enraged, and he sent his troops... Uh, bold move, Cotton, destroyed mm -hmm. those murderers and burned their city. Uh, and then he said to his slaves, again, right, like this is not a move that Yahweh takes in that Exodus reading, uh, would seem in the world of, of the story like an option that a, that a God would do and seemed like it's on the table because uh, Moses is telling God not to do that, right? So he sends his troops, he destroys those murderers, burned their city. And then he said to the slaves, the wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets 
and invite everyone, not the Wall Streets, but the Main Streets, and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. And those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found. Here's a kicker, both good and bad, uh, just not rich. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But here's this addendum, which really makes this a troublesome story, because then you could tie it up nicely, right? Like the kingdom of God is a banquet for all people, uh, good and bad, you know? Uh, but that wealth is the thing that stands in the way. Eye of the, eye of the needle there. But no, we get this addendum to the story, postscript. When the king came in to see the guest, he noticed there was a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in without a wedding robe? And the, the man was speechless. And the king said to his attendants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. I imagine most of the folks in your pews are going to say, oh, we are the people who've been invited into this wedding banquet, and this is great. And oh, shit, how do I make sure I'm not the one who gets thrown out? Did I not wear the right clothes today? It's brutal. I have a harder time uh, rescuing this one from the one last week. (laughs) (laughs) Well... The most compelling take I've heard on this was uh, James Allison, who's a Girardian person, um, a Catholic Catholic priest. I'm um, shocked, shocked that you're bringing in a Girardian perspective. The Girardian take on this is pretty good. Um, And that's to say this is really a parable about what life looks like, um, what the kingdom of God looks like lived out in the world of, of humans. Uh, that you get this, like, really great, this lovely, you know, good news note. Uh, that the good and the bad are going to be at the bank of the wedding banquet? Uh, I mean, that's that's pretty, like, powerful enough on its own, right? Um, I mean, if it was in Luke, you wouldn't be surprised at all that Jesus might be telling a parable about how hard it is for the rich to, to come to the wedding banquet. Um, but that the James Allison's take on this was that, yes, that's what this story is about, that, that that's the vision of the kingdom of God. But here's what happens when when the when it's lived out in the kingdom of humans, um, that, that what the king did was so radical because people did not eat, you know, across like social classes. You didn't share a table with a poor person. Right. It'd be like uh, in your 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 locale there, Matt, if you happen to have some uh, uh, celebrity members. Right. Are they going to come to the cookout uh, to the to the to the um, to the potluck? Right. Probably not. Right. Um, So same thing here. And yet you get this vision of all the uninvited are welcome here. Um, And it's so radical. But that there would also be enough fear in the king. Um, for what this might mean now that you've invited all of these people in there. Are these people going to kill you and take your vineyard? Because you've invited them into your home. Um, and what's required is a scapegoat. Here's your Girardian buzzword here, right? In order to keep the peace, you've got to create a new outsider because you don't have, you, you, you obliterated the outsider, right? There's nobody left. Uh, who's not an insider at your banquet. Um, And the reality of our world and the way we interact with one another is that that, we have such a difficult time living in that world that that the king has to throw somebody out in order to say, this will keep the peace, to set the example that like, you've got to, you still got to play by my rules here because if you don't, 
and they throw you out of this thing. Um, and that it's through that scapegoat being thrown out that the party is able to keep going. And that if you want to read for Jesus in this, Jesus is the Jesus is the one, the wedding guest who's thrown out. Because by him being sacrificed, all of the poor people are able to eat with the king. And that in our world, that's the only way we can make that happen. Whew. It's a pretty good take, that's, right? That's the way through. That's the way through. Jesus is the man without the wedding room. I like it. The way through it, and it does. I mean, it's a really good parable, and that it really turns on its head, right? The idea that, like, I don't know if you can hear it. My daughter is singing full throated upstairs. I don't know what she's singing. Um, I'm sure you can hear it at forty eight thousand trillion hertz. But <laughs> that that metaphor image of Jesus, right? The church is Christ's bride, and that that, that what the a life of this whole human thing is is being married to to Jesus, um, but here we've got this wedding metaphor, and Jesus is not the bride or the groom because the bride and the groom actually aren't important to the story, <laughs> right? They're, the bride is not mentioned at all. Uh, the son gets a brief mention, but Jesus is at the wedding as the one who gets thrown out. Have you ever been to a wedding where somebody got thrown out, man? Because that <laughs> no, sounds like you? a really fun wedding. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> oh man! Uh, I wonder if our listeners I have like some it. good stories. I like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I like. I like this. I like this take. I think we're gonna need uh, takes like that because if I recall, the further we get in Matthew, the uglier it gets. Oh, it's some pretty brutal. Matthew, you know, we're, we're moving now... into fall. It's supposed to be a warm time, moving toward Thanksgiving. Getting all the family together. Obviously, it's not happening this year because we're I in the apocalypse, but let's just, you know, this is the time people want to return to ritual, uh, and then we just get brutal texts from Matthew. Brutal. I awoke uh, yesterday, Matt, with a, another layer of ash on our cars. Uh, oh, no. Because there's, uh, we had kind of like the fire moon sunset yesterday, so it's perfect for this, you know? The cities are burning. Everything's great. Yep. Cities are burning. Well, that's what we heard. Uh, California is burning because we haven't cleaned things up in a long time. Why don't you take the rakes and get out there? Take the rakes and get out there. Though forest management, it turns out, is a is a real thing. It is important. It's one of four issues. Yeah. It's not <laughs> not important. So the only point I would make is that, like, we, um, we white people in North America... Uh, make um have this ideal idealized image of nature before we arrived uh in you know 1492 and that the everything was pure and like uh but it turns out you know american indians uh native americans engaged in active forest management including control burns because that's how it goes yeah 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 oh well what do we listen to in the apocalypse there are a lot of good songs for these images man should I go first? Yeah. Okay. Well, I got a lot. I don't want to. I don't want to take yours. You know. Um, but Matt, I'm gonna go with. There are a lot of wedding songs out there, Matt. <laughs> I don't know if you're you're familiar with that. Uh, I'm gonna put January Wedding, uh, which is a really fun, lovely song off of uh, the Avett Brothers' "I in Love and You" that came out in 2009. That I believe is their most. Um, commercially successful album probably ever um, 
But it, it's a song about getting married in January and that it's really happy and lovely and stuff. But then uh, later verses, I think, fit nicely into this. Uh, I, hope I hope I don't sound insane when I say there is darkness all around us. Uh, I don't feel weak, but I do need sometimes for her to protect me and reconnect me to the beauty that I'm missing. Uh, and then the last verse, perfect for, for Matthew, uh, no longer does it matter what circumstances we were born in. She knows which birds are singing and the names of the trees where they're performing in the morning. It's classic Aver Brothers. It's good. Uh, so January wedding, we're putting it on uh, the playlist. Then, Matt, oh gosh, I'm going to have to make choices now. I was hoping you were going to take away some of the choices. I've uh, continued to listen uh, and really enjoy um, Fleetwood Mac's Rumors. It's an incredible album. It's so good. Uh, and I'm putting Gold Dust Woman on there uh, as, a, as a gold song there, not to the, the golden calf. Uh, did she make you cry? Did she make you fall down? Uh, oh gosh, how does it go? Uh, did she make you cry? Where did it go? Uh, make you break down, shatter your illusions of love. That's mm-hmm. it. Oh. Yahweh, this song is for you. You're in this relationship with a gold dust woman, man. God. Um, good luck. You got when a great are we going to do a summer of Fleetwood Mac? When are we going <laughs> to should do that. Matt, I have an idea that we should make happen. Uh, a new feature we should do from time to time instead of just your like emergency Bruce uh, podcast uh, episodes we should do a Chris series of podcasts right so like we should do a whole episode of, of building a Fleetwood Macarist uh, right <laughs> of, uh, yeah doesn't right? Megan Rohrer do like she she seems to be posting these like she'll do like a Beatles mass and a Dolly Parton mass and mm-hmm. that's what she's been doing during this time maybe so. we should get Megan on and do some <laughs> we should have definitely gotten with Megan on the Dolly Christ for the the advent of Dolly mm-hmm. I wonder what advent we should do an advent theme we should <laughs> there we go uh, so Gold Dust Woman and then uh, I'm gonna go White Wedding Billy Idol I'm sure I've probably White put it on the playlist for this wedding. in the past. Uh, it's a great day to start again. Nice. Yeah, you. What if you just you could do a just do a Laurel Canyon, Chris? Like, let's say, let's just imagine that they were all going to get together and have a Eucharist. What, what? songs would oh they bring? Oh my gosh! Because <laughs> so you could imagine the whole scene. You're there in the canyon. There's a threat of fire all the time. Uh, just incredible. I've got one more i got to put on there, Matt. Lake Street Dive has a song called Wedding Band. And I thought it was going to be a song about a, we- a band that plays weddings because it's, you know, music and a band. <laughs> but it's about a wedding band. Uh, and it's this, like, song about, like, um, wear your wedding ring so you don't, like, uh, if you're married, wear a wedding ring. There's no need for you to whisper in my ear when you can say it with your hand. If you're going to go break in my heart, there's no need for you to let it linger when you can say it with your finger. <laughs> You've already got somebody that'll love you forever already. Right? People of Israel. Wow. Just wear it. Says the person who currently does not wear a wedding band. No? No, I don't wear one right now because uh, my original wedding band is made out of tungsten, which is forged in an oxygenless furnace, which means that it cannot be cut off your hand. Um, and what? Yeah, it can't be cut off. So if I were to, like, break a finger doing one of the many dumb things I do, uh, I would just lose that finger, Matt. 
and I love my wife dearly, but I have decided that I'd like to keep my fingers, and that as a younger person, I didn't care about that very much, but as an older person, uh, we're in the market for a new thing that I can wear on my finger that symbolizes our commitment, but also that's, lets that's me keep my fingers. Incredible. I have it here. Let's see. That's good. You just carry it around. <laughs> I don't care. What is that? Is that like over in a pencil case? Like, what are you... What, it's, in my, it's with my guitar picks. In banjo picks. It's with my picks. guitar picks? What? I don't lose us. I don't lose You're my talking about something picks. I lose all the time. Guitar picks. Oh, wow. Well, Matt, what are you listening to? What are you pressing play with your uh, conspicuously displayed well, wedding band? I'm trying... Yeah, see? Conspicuously... Boom! Not displayed. gold. We wouldn't have to melt it down for that cow we've been we're talking about. No, no. Platinum. Like a record. <laughs> I wish one day somebody oh, made us like a vinyl creature so platinum young. album. We could just hang on the wall. I bet we could do that for ourselves. I'm sure there's a novelty company that makes it. Matt, what are you listening to? Well, uh, I've been going through Spotify's uh, new releases for me. My release radar. Release Whoa. radar. Uh, and It'd be so, great if you clicked over to your release radar. I'll stop in a minute. Uh, and when you clicked on it, it just went. Doo -doo. <laughs> Like on a submarine, you know, kind of like Red October. Yeah, yeah, that'd uh, be good. That'd be cool. <laughs> well, this is what they told me I should be listening to. Uh, I focused on Exodus, and so uh, a song called "Golden Ticket," which is kind of fun. Uh, "Golden yeah. Ticket," brass tracks featuring Common. Common, All right. for once, not doing an inspirational song, but doing uh, a little one-off. Some bars on this track here, golden ticket, uh, and then uh, see. I thought I thought you would go with a, a song. Uh, I guess it just came out. Brandy Clark featuring Brandy Carlisle, mm. called "Same I, Devil." How's that? Not, don't you get like alerts like when there's a I, Brandy that, Carlisle that did come feature? up on my release radar, and I did not see that Brandy Carlisle was on it. Initially, <laughs> I saw Brandy, and I was like, "Oh, new Brandy Carlisle," and then I was like, "Oh, I don't have time to listen to that right now." Uh, but now I will. I'll go back because I didn't know. Yeah, it's good. And then uh, Cold by Chris Stapleton, because apparently mm. in my old age, I'm getting more into country. But I do love Chris Stapleton. But this single Cold, the chorus is, why you got to be so cold? Why you got to go and cut me like a knife and put our love on ice? Oh, here it is. Ooh. God, uh, burning hot or cold against these people. Oh, my goodness. They're so cold. And then uh, finally, Sia's got a song, Courage to Change Your Mind, uh, uh, just like God does. So that's good. There you go. A couple new ones for you, listeners. I like it. I'm going to try to get into the new Fleet Foxes. I haven't really listened. I've listened to a oh, couple yeah. of them. I want to get into it. Have you, are you into Soup John Stevens? I have been into Soup John Stevens. I'm not currently into Soup John. <laughs> he put out this album called Illinois. Come on, feel the Illinois. That was amazing. Listen to amazing that one album. A lot. After yeah. that, I haven't. I haven't been able but to. But I mean, I've is listened. Talking about this this new Ascension album, and I just haven't. I haven't listened to it yet, but I just. Okay. People are talking. about I've it. been kind of burned. I mean, not burned, but just like. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like um, I was. I was very close to putting uh, "Band of Horses" Mary song on there, which is off of like Illusions. Which is such a good album, and like I listened to so much, and it came out in like 2011, and there have been I was like, have they put out anything recently? And I was like, oh, that was a lot longer ago than I thought it was, and 
Yeah, they've put out a lot of albums that I have not listened to and doesn't look like anybody else has either. Um, yeah. Sufjan's kind of in there of like, you know, 0809, like Illinois. Oh, and I can play them on banjo and stuff. Yeah. And they had the oh. butterfly wing, like the, that Austin uh, City Limits show with the butterfly wings and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was so cool. I've not found a way into to stuff since then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. In the meantime, it's been real. Real platinum-coated vinyl.